Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Friday, March the 31st, 2023, at 1126 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, waiting. Today's focus, waiting. Now, if you were listening yesterday evening, we talked a little bit about waiting on the Lord and waiting in the Christian life. And and I really started trying to kind of process and think out loud about a, a concept that I'm trying to get everyone to start thinking about because we've been dealing with some pretty heavy and serious issues, right? The the idea that there is, that God is all-powerful, he's eternal, he's all-knowing, he's omnipresent, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's merciful, he's 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 full of justice and righteousness and holiness and, and all of these attributes. We've been, I've really been emphasizing us focusing on who God is, his attributes, his character. But while we're focusing on that, thinking about that, we cannot obviously just deny the reality of a world in which we live, where there is mass shootings and murder and rape and children being molested and children being kidnapped and sex trafficking and all of the horrible, horrible things that go on every single day in this world. Here's this all-powerful, all-knowing God who created this world, yet the world is in this absolute mess. And no matter how you try to play it and how you try to work it, it always goes all the way back to in the beginning, God, the God that has always existed before he ever spoke anything into existence, knew exactly what was going to transpire. And so that creates lots of philosophical and difficult problems. And it's hard sometimes for us to to, to figure that out. And then you bring up the subject of prayer. Well, then how does this work? How does, how does prayer work in this concept of, well, does God know what's going to happen? Has he decreed what's going to happen? Can he do something or can he not do something? And so we've been talking about a lot of these very, very, very difficult issues. So I decided to add into this discussion, not only about God's character, his attributes and prayer, I wanted to add in the concept of waiting. And I really tried to get people to start thinking about this. I'm waiting, no pun intended, for you to start responding. I'm waiting for the emails to start pouring in because this, see, this is one of those subjects that I think is very important philologically and very important for your Christian life. It's always funny. I know right now I could turn on the microphone and talk about Trump being indicted and I could probably get a hundred emails within the next three to four hours, but I'm going to be talking about something much more theological biblical, doctrinal, and it won't get the the same attention. But I think this is very important. So here's what I've tried to do to try to work some of these philosophical problems out. I've tried to put forth the hypothesis, the thesis, that the Christian life is one of waiting of waiting, that this is what we, as Christians, we are living a life, and we, we talked about this a little bit about yesterday, so I won't go through everything I talked about yesterday, but we're waiting in this sense. I want you to understand this. As Christians, we are waiting 
for what is true spiritually, what is true theologically, what is true biblically to be made manifest in a real tangible way in this world. That all-powerful God who's loving and compassionate, that all of that reality of who God is will ultimately be made visible. It It will be made a reality in this world because sin will be judged. Uh, right, or wrongs will be made right. All that is true, God and holy, will be made manifest in a real present way. Sinners and all everything that will play out. There will be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more sin. All of those things will ultimately happen. So we, in a sense, we live believing all of these things. We, we believe these things about God that may not yet be clear. We believe all of these things that, that, that sin will be judged, death will be no more, that, that there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more disease. We live believing that, but we know, understand that we have to wait until it is made present and the new heavens and the new earth until it becomes that reality. In the meantime, we even though we maintain a faith in this, we don't deny the reality. We don't deny the pain, the suffering, the death. We don't deny the incompatibility with what we see, with what we believe. Now, now what some Christians try to do is almost deny this reality. Christians try to pretend that that, that in this world right now, that we're new creatures and the old is gone and all, and all is new. Well, that's just not true. Any, anyone who knows reality knows that's not true. So why pretend? So positionally, that is true. It will one day be, in a sense, made practical when I get a new body that no longer has a sinful nature, right? In the meantime, I may pray and pray, but I'm, pray, I'm ultimately waiting for that, that reality. In the meantime, I'm not a new creature. The old is not gone practically. Positionally, it is true. One day that positional reality will become much more of a practical reality, right? I can, I can go on and on and on with these kinds of, of concepts, that, but Christians love to pretend that, no, 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 God's going to fix this, and God's going to fix this, and if you'll pray, God's going to intervene here and fix. He may not intervene and fix any of those situations, and there's no guarantee, but there will come a day that he will make all things right. He will remove sin. Satan will be, in a sense, thrown into the lake of fire. Everything will be made right. So as a Christian life, we have to do this waiting, 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 waiting. So I kind of put forth this hypothesis, this theory, more just kind of thinking out loud last night and and, and seeing what kind of conversations it would generate. I'm still waiting for that, but hopefully it will. But in the meantime, on this Friday, I thought I would turn on the microphone for today's focus and once again get you to focus on the concept of waiting. And we're going to do a little bit of digging into the concept. Does that sound good? Let's start with a a, a psalm that I've been looking at this morning. We'll probably, we're not going to look at the whole thing, but at least one verse. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. All right, here we go. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go read verses one through five. I was just gonna read one verse, but oh, there's so much here, right? Here we go. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. All right, there's, there's, I'm lifting up my soul to God. Now, how do we lift up our soul to God? I think you could argue in prayer, praise, thanksgiving, right? Or the parts of prayer. 
Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not, uh, not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation on thee. Do I wait all the day? Now, this obviously has a much more, this is a psalm of David, has obviously a historical setting. But for us, there, I like that phrase um, at the end of that, on thee do I wait all the day. I wait on God every single day, every single day. Uh, the Christian life, every single moment is waiting on God. We're always waiting on God. We're waiting on all of those things that we read in scripture that are true because it's the inspired word of God. Those things that are absolutely true and certain that we don't quite see right now. We don't, we, we, it, sometimes it makes no sense to me. Well, God, well, why don't you fix the problem now? Why don't you do this now? Why don't you take care of this now? Why don't you do that? But no, we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. Now for us, it seems like we wait and we wait and wait, obviously from God's perspective, who is eternal, what seems like a lifetime of waiting is probably, I don't even know how God would, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely nothing in, from an, an eternal perspective. But from our perspective, I'm begging and pleading and waiting and waiting and, and well, I'm going to keep waiting until one day, all of that is true in a sense, theologically or spiritually will be made true in a real tangible way. There'll be a new heaven. There'll be a new earth. Sin will be gone. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sin. It'll all be gone. So we can pray for so much now, but that prayer has to come with the concept of waiting. So I really want to put forth this idea. Reading from Feature, a daily Bible study guide, this is an entry for way back in February. It reads this way. The word of God commands us time and time again to wait upon the Lord. The word of God commands us time and time again to wait upon the Lord. Here's what I would like for you to do today if you want to engage in a little bit of Bible study. I want you to find and list every scripture that tells us to wait on God or, or describe someone waiting on God. All right? I want you, those, those scriptures that are just very specific, wait on the Lord, or it's describing someone waiting on the Lord. Now, if you look up the word wait in the King James, it's used... I think it's used over a hundred times if you look it up, like say the Blue Letter Bible app. And uh, but a lot of those have nothing to do. It's like someone lying in wait for someone. Not quite what we're looking for, but if you'll kind of just work your way through them, you'll start going, oh, wait, like Psalm 25. You're gonna find these verses about waiting on the Lord. We'll look at some of them in just a moment, but we're gonna do a little bit more than just looking. Um, at the different places that they occur. But today I want you to just start finding all the scriptures about waiting, all the scriptures about waiting on God, all the scriptures about waiting on the Lord, all, just examples of people who had to wait on the Lord. Obviously, we know Abram and Sarah had to wait. They waited, a a Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, they had to wait and 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 wait. 
right? And then even then, if you think about it, so many of the promises that they were given, did they ever see that fulfilled? Look at Hebrews 11. In fact, I believe, hang on. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Wasn't even thinking about this, but I think, I don't know the word, the word wait doesn't appear, but I think it kind of describes something very important. Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah, Hebrews 11, verse 13. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They died in faith, not having received the promises. They died in faith, not having received the promises. There's so much of that in a sense that is true of our Christian life. There's all of these things that we read about God. And, and sometimes we're like, well, God, where's, where's your power to fix all of these problems? God, where is your holiness? God, where, God, why won't you do this? God, I'm waiting for this. God, I'm waiting for this. But we may die and not never seeing it. But ultimately, it will be made manifest. Ultimately, we will experience new heavens, new earth. Satan gone, no more pain, suffering, or death. I hope you see that, that, that even though that verse doesn't mention waiting, well, they waited for those promises and they never saw them fulfilled. All right, the word, of, the word of God commands us time and time again to wait upon the Lord. What does this mean? What do we need to do in order to wait on him? How do we wait on him? What is the results when we wait on him? What happens when we fail to wait on him? To wait on the Lord is extremely important for the scriptures frequently command, not advise us to wait on God. When the Bible addresses our responsibility to wait on the Lord, uh, what in particular does this involve? So I really want you to just all weekend, wait, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. I want you to see how this fits with some of the the philosophical and theological issues I have addressed and the reality that we constantly face. I want you to, I want you to become an, I want you to create a theology of waiting, a biblical theology of waiting. We'll do a little bit of work here. Now, Psalm 25, 5, Psalm 25, 5, let me read it again. Lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation, on thee, on God, do I wait all the day. Now, if you look up the word wait here in Psalm 25, now you can do this in a lot of places. Uh, the Bible study guide that I have here, they go to Isaiah 40, verse 31, which is the standard. We sing that at our church. It's a, it's a very common common verse about waiting, but Psalm 25.5 is the one that has my attention today. But it doesn't matter where you go. If you go to a uh, interlinear, I'm going to go to Psalm 25.5. I'm using the Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to go to the interlinear. If you look down here, okay, I don't want that. Hang on. Psalm 25.5. Here we go. Uh, Lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And I pull this up. Do I wait? Guess what uh, Hebrew word? I was going to say Greek word. What, guess what Hebrew word? Are you ready? Here we go. Strong's H, 6960. Kava. Kava. Kava is the Hebrew word. Kava. 
The Hebrew word akava is used 49 times, 29 times it's translated weight. Now, kava obviously is, I don't think, the only Hebrew word translated weight, but it is the one in Psalm 25.5. It's also the Hebrew word, I believe, in Isaiah 40.31. It's kava. Now, kava is translated weight 29 times, 13 times look. That's interesting. Uh, Wait for one time, look for, gathered one time. Now, here it is. Strong's definition, kava. To bind together, perhaps by twisting, collect, to expect, gather together, look patiently, tarry, wait for, on upon. But it's that to bind together that is interesting. The outline of biblical usage, um, basically to wait, look for, hope, expect, to wait, to look eagerly for, to lie and wait for, to wait for, linger for. And in a sense, that's what we do our whole Christian life. We're looking for, we're waiting, we're eagerly waiting, we're lying in wait for, in a sense, we're lingering for. But what is to collect, to bind together? I thought was interesting. To to, to, to bind together, to, to um, by twisting. That's, that's an interesting, that, that kind of gives a picture. Now, the Bible study guide that I have here, this is what they say about this, all right? They quote Isaiah 40, 30, uh, 31, says our text verse, and, and specifically the root of the Hebrew term under, underlying the English word wait, provides one important key in knowing what it means to wait on the God. The root of the Hebrew term kava, from which the word wait is translated in Isaiah 40, 31, means to bind together. One Hebrew dictionary defines kava as follows. To bind together by twisting, to collect, to be gathered together, to be joined, to meet, to be confident, trust, to be enduring. Elsewhere in scripture, kava is translated shall wait uh, and gathered unto with the idea of bringing together. Genesis also renders it to be gathered together. Therefore, when we, we can conclude that one aspect of waiting upon the Lord entails remaining close to him or abiding in him. How, I don't know. We, we got to work on this. So, so let's do a little bit of work here. First, let's verify all that they say, all right? I know Isaiah 40, 31 is Kavah. Let's go. They say um, 69. 60, chapter 60, verse 9. I'm believing they're, they're referring to Isaiah 69. Let's verify this. Let's go to Isaiah 69, 60, verse 9. I should re, uh, state it correctly. Let's see if, let's see if this is accurate, right? Uh, though it says, wait for me. Okay, there we go. Uh, shall wait. Okay, it is kava, just to make sure you hear it. Strong's H, 6960. Kava. Kava. All right. So 60, chapter 60, verse 9 in Isaiah is shall wait. Then Jeremiah 3, 17. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 17. Let's verify that this is as well. That this is as well. Uh, They, uh. Yeah, and shall be gathered, and shall be gathered. It is, you know what it is. Strong's H, 6960. Kava, Kava. 
So it is true that Jeremiah 3, uh, 17 also is Kavah. They say Genesis 1, 9. Let's verify. And you have to do this. Just I know you can say, well, this is redundant. You could have done it before. But I like to do it in real time with you. And the reason why is I want you to know that no matter what you look up, Bible dictionary, Bible encyclopedia, commentary, sermon, you always verify, verify. I cannot tell you how many times a Bible dictionary will give a verse and you go look at it and you're like, what? That? No, that's not what that's saying. Or a sermon, will someone will be like the Hebrew or the Greek. And you'll look it up and like, nope, that's not the case. We just, we, we reviewed a sermon recently where the pastor was saying, all kinds of things about repentance. Never once said it means a change of mind, which is literally what the Greek word means. Okay, so so you always have to look it up. All right, so they say Genesis 1-9. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. All right, so let's let's look here. Okay, it's Kava. They are right. Strong's H, 6960. Kava. Kava. All right, so there's no question kava means together, together. So let's read this again, because they draw a conclusion from this that I want us to think about, about what it really means. How do we wait on the Lord? I've been talking about waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, what, what's involved in waiting? So let's, let's let them then flesh this completely out. It's only one paragraph, but I want you to put your thinking caps on. All right, here we go. Our text verse, now they're quoting Isaiah 40, 31. We were quoting Psalm 25, or here we go. But same, same Hebrew word, kava. And they said on the, uh, uh, this is what they say. Our text verse, and sp- specifically the root of the Hebrew term underlying the English word wait, provides one important key in knowing what it means to wait on God. The root of the Hebrew term kava from which the word wait is translated in Isaiah 40:31 means to bind together. One Hebrew dictionary defines kava as follows: to bind together by twisting, to collect, to be gathered together, be joined, to meet, to be confident, trust, to be enduring. Elsewhere in scripture, kava, kava is translated shall wait. Isaiah 60, verse 9, gathered unto Jeremiah 3, 17, with the idea of bringing together, Genesis 1, 9 also renders it to be gathered together. Therefore, here's their conclusion. We can conclude that one aspect of waiting upon the Lord entails remaining close to him or abiding in him, meaning as we wait on the Lord, we are gathered together with him. We are, let me, as, as this would say, as one Hebrew dictionary would say, it would be, how did they say, say it? To bind together by twisting, to collect, to be gathered together, to be joined. That we, as we, the waiting, the waiting process is not like, okay, God, you're over there doing your thing. I'm just going to wait here. Okay. I know you can't see my, my, <laughs> my movements and, and how my body uh, is trying to demonstrate this. But I'm sitting in my chair. I'm just leaning way back in my chair now. I'm leaning way back in my chair. I'm like, okay, God, you're way over there. I'll just wait and I'll wait for everything. No, no, it's my waiting. I'm gathered together with God. In a sense, I'm twisted and joined together with God in the waiting process. 
I'm, I, I am united in a sense with him, connected with him as I am waiting. The waiting process should draw me closer to him. Now, I still don't understand from a human perspective how, why God does what he does. Why did God create a world knowing pain, suffering, death, destruction? Why? Why? Why would he do this? Why? I don't know. I don't, we're not given any insight. That's why I love the book of Job. Job's never given any insight. He's never given, given any answers. We're not given those answers, but we know that what is true, what the Bible says about God and all of the, what the Bible says will be manifest. And so in in a tangible way, so we wait for it. But as we wait, we are to be abiding in him as, as this reads, we can conclude that one aspect of waiting upon the Lord entails remaining close to him or abiding in him. How do we remain close to him? How do we abide in him? And a, a meaningful way. Well, this is where the prayer comes in. The prayer is I'm constantly talking to God about Lord. Hey, I know you're all powerful. And I know that right now I don't see your power because I see, well, death and destruction and you're not intervening. I see a tornado that kills 26 people. And even though people prayed, you didn't stop that. I don't know why you don't show your power, but I, I am staying close to you knowing one day your power will be made fully manifest when you come back and all your enemies destroyed and all that is wrong in this world and all of creation in a sense will be redeemed and there will be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth and all of the curse of the fall will be gone from this world. That in some cases praying is the process and is the process of waiting that, that think of it this way, that by prayer, I am showing faith in the waiting process. Like, Faith, prayer is the evidence of my faith while I'm waiting. We seem to see prayer as a way in order to get something, but I think it really just demonstrates my faith. Lord, I'm telling you what's going on. I'm telling you what I would like, but I'm giving you knowing that I may have to wait. So we are abiding in him. We're staying close to him. This is the last paragraph. Do you enjoy close personal fellowship with God? Are you abiding in him right now? So often we tell ourselves that we're waiting on the Lord when in reality, we are not truly experiencing the close relationship with with him that needs to be an integral part of our life. God wants to work in and through us, but in order for us to be used for his glory, we must be bound together with him in fervent abiding fellowship. Well, I think the way we abide in him and a close fellowship is that we come to God every day in prayer. Now, because I think our mentality is I come to God in prayer and boom, I'm going to see a result in a week, in a month, in six months, in a year. But you may not ever see the result in a sense. You may not see what you're longing for, what you're praying for until eternity, until a new heaven and a new earth. You may pray for the someone to be healed of cancer, but they may not be healed of cancer here. But in eternity, their cancer will be gone forever. I may pray for my seizures, but I, my seizures will, will never be gone until I get to heaven. Like there's, there's, there's an aspect of prayer where all we're doing is demonstrating that, Lord, I am, uh, I am trying to maintain close fellowship with you. I'm trying to be gathered together with you as I wait for what is true spiritually to be made manifest in a material, physical way when you come back 
rule and reign over everything and everything your enemies are made your footstool and all of creation is restored and your glory you know shines through everywhere but in the meantime i bring all of my prayers to god not necessarily looking for a solution here but bringing my prayers to demonstrate my faith that all will be made right i know that's a radically different approach to prayer I know that's a radical, the the way prayer typically works in the minds of most people is, hey, write down your prayer and write down the date it's it's going to be, the date it was answered, the date you you got the answer. There's there's an immediacy to how prayer is typically preached. And I'm not saying that you can't, I mean, we can obviously hope that that's the way it works, but I think prayer is more designed because the Christian life is one of waiting. I wait daily for God. I'm waiting every single day for what? For all of that that is true, be, that, that is true spiritually. That I'm praying and hoping and waiting and longing for when, in a sense, heaven takes over and all that is of this broken, fallen, messed up world is gone. It is removed. And then God will be on the throne. He will dwell with his people. Everything will be made right. In a roundabout way, every prayer is a prayer for, in a sense, for heaven and for, for everything to be made right. But it, that's it's just in this world, it's never going to be made right. We're still going to sin. Pain, suffering, death, disease is still going to be prevalent everywhere. War, crime, suffering. We have to learn to wait. And the way we learn to wait is to, that we wait not separate from God, but we are gathered together with him in close proximity and fellowship and abiding, and abiding. And we do that through prayer. That's, that's the concept I want you to at least think about. So today, I want you to find all the verses about waiting, all the verses about waiting, and just start meditating on them, looking up the Hebrew word, just thinking it through. What does it mean to wait on God? And, and I want you, and I guess the verse that I'll just leave you today for today's focus is, lead me in thy truth. Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Psalm 25, 5. That is your today's focus for Friday, March the 31st, 2023.